I get it. You operate a business in the horse industry and you know you need to be online to grow your business, but you're overwhelmed at the process and you might not even have an idea where to start. Well, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening to the Digital Hoofprint podcast, a podcast that shares strategy, resources, and motivation for you to grow your horse business online. My name is Abriana and I am a business coach, brand strategist, and designer that works with equine entrepreneurs who are struggling with their online presence. I transform grade horse businesses into industry unicorns. And if you're listening to this podcast, you must be ready to establish your digital hoofprint. Whether you're listening to this while cleaning stalls or after a long day working horses, I'm breaking down this process into digestible nuggets so you can take them and apply them to your business today. Thanks so much for listening again, and let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Digital Hoofprint Podcast. I'm Abriana, head unicorn in charge over at Black Unicorn Creative, and this podcast episode is part of the Life Work Balance content series that I'm producing, and I am so thankful to have Amber here from ABC Social Media Management uh, to talk to us today about social media, balancing it with life, and how horses have had an impact in her life. (laughs) So welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. So tell us, start from the beginning, how you started your business, how you got into this line of work, and what made you want to start. So I joke that I've been on Instagram since it started, you know, roughly I've had an Instagram account since sixth grade, which is 2010, 2011, pretty close to when Instagram started when it was that awkward, clunky, very weird user interface. And there was the perfectly square photos, the black borders and the native Instagram filters that you can still see, but I, the very, you know, pixelated grainy selfie snapshot type things. And I had variety of accounts, some public, some private. I was always on Instagram, always enjoyed it because I have a background in photography from my grandfather. And then bring about freshman year of college, I'm studying international politics, sort of realizing this isn't where I want my career to take me. I'm living in DC. I'm actually this semester wrapping up my university time in DC, but I'm seeing what it's like to live and work in politics. I'm pretty sure it's not where I want to go and I'm looking for a creative outlet towards, of course, final season, because there's no better time to procrastinate and go on social media than when you're trying to study for microeconomics. (laughs) And that led me to start a skincare Instagram and predominantly as a creative outlet for me to practice my photography. But that led to me getting really invested in the world of social media and influencers and digital marketing. I had that account for two years and then COVID hit. And I decided I wanted to pursue it as more of a full-time opportunity, see what I could do within the realm of social media. So I leveraged that Instagram page to get myself an internship in social media and marketing at a skincare brand. So I was working on both sides, my own Instagram page and a brand side doing their social media and marketing. And I got a really hands-on approach, fully immersed in everything social media strategy. I worked there for just over half a year And while it taught me a lot, I also realized that I wanted to be my own boss. So I had at that point 
three years experience running my own social media page, coaching other influencers how to do the same uh, year-long fellowship in email marketing and communications and this seven-month internship under my belt. So I thought, why not just start thinking about doing my own thing? I felt confident enough that I could do what I'd done for this brand for others. And I kind of wanted to call the shots. So then in April of 2021, I launched ABC Social Media Management, and I've taken it as a let's see what happens in experiment approach because I'm still in university. So I haven't, you know, bought into that. I need to be booked out in three months thing. I focused on delivering really high level service to the small amount of clients I do take on and continuing to expand my skills in social media marketing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is awesome. I like that experimental approach and a lot of times we forget that this is all just an experiment and you know we try to say like this has to be perfect or what if this doesn't go right or what if what if what if what if what if this is not the right decision to make and just forget that you know we're in this this business to to make these decisions and then make adjustments based on the feedback So none of this really has to be perfect, especially, especially when it comes to marketing and, and social media. So how have horses kind of played a role in this? I can't, I can't remember how you said you came across me. You shared a tweet and I messaged you about it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, there's another social media manager who's into horses because I'm like the crazy horse girl. <laughs> um, so within that whole story of why I started ABC Social Media Management, the whole reason I was getting disillusioned with politics was I was spending more and more time riding. I rode my whole childhood. My mother was a rider growing up. She lived on a farm in Canada. So she had me and my sister on ponies practically from the time we could walk. Mm-hmm. And I had an accident in middle school, took a very long break. That wasn't even meant to be a break. It was meant to be quitting. And then I somehow worked my way back to it, fell totally in love. And freshman winter slash spring, I started going down to Wellington, Florida and competing on that circuit. I had my sister's horse and I went from, I like ponies. I like horses too. I am totally obsessed. I want to do this every day of my life. I don't want to focus on school that much, which my parents were like, "Uh uh-uh, finish school. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved being around horses. So then in addition to not really loving the DC lifestyle that I saw people my age and just above going onto the hill, going into law and politics type careers, I also really wanted to find a job that would allow me to pursue my passion, horses. And most people in the horse world know the hours are really weird. Like I'm on the weekends if I'm horse showing, I'm up at 4.35 a.m. There are days I don't leave the barn or the show until 8 p.m. And the hours are a little wacky. And a traditional nine-to-five corporate job doesn't really allow for that type of flexibility. Or, you know, I'd only get to ride on the weekends. And ideally, that's not something I want. Mm -hmm. So that idea of I really want to be around horses and find a job at a a career path that allows me to pursue it as fully as I can was a huge motivator for starting ABC social media management. Yeah. 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 I I remember now, um, (laughs) the tweet said, um, it was about people making tweet like images in Canva. 
instead yes. of actually tweeting on Twitter. Yes, I remember they'll, that now. <laughs> they'll, they'll do that, but then they'll also say like, I don't have time to be on social media, but you got time to make fake graphics. What? <laughs> so that that was what the, the tweet was about. I remember now. Um, but let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about this fear or one of these, these hesitations that people have around showing up on social media and running a business, a, a, a horse business. Now, this, this may range from a lesson barn to a, a trainer to a tax store manager to a massage, a Cairo or a massage. Like it could be anything, veterinarian. So we're, we're not incredibly specific right now, but that is one of the pain points that I hear a lot. Like I don't have time to be on social media. I don't know how to, how to do that and do my business. So what do you have or what kind of answers do you have to kind of combat that? Absolutely. I do think there in the older generation in the horse world, there is more reticence to show up on social media because they don't really understand it. Actually, I started doing social media for my barn and I said, just, just let me take it. I, don't pay me. Like I just want to give you guys an Instagram, mostly so us clients had somewhere to show off our results. But I did see that common theme, older trainers, older barn managers, you know, not really grasping the importance of social media. And I think that extends to other uh, careers in the equestrian world as well. You know, the vets who don't have a strong social media presence, you see mm -hmm. chiropractors, you see feed stores, and the ones that do, or the barns that do, especially, I can think of some off the top of my head that prioritize social media, that prioritize photography and marketing, they are a step ahead of barns who are kind of a little mm -hmm. bit behind the times. So to answer your question, how do you show up on social media and keep running your business and feel like you can juggle both at the same time? Is that Firstly, get away from any social media expert telling you things like post every day, you need to post three times a day, you need to be posting reels. Mm -hmm. If you're a business owner, you need to tune out advice that feels unrealistic, advice that makes you scared, advice that makes you feel like, well, if I can't do that, I'm going to throw on the towel. You want to find a way to fit social media into your lifestyle and use it to amplify your business, not detract from it. Mm -hmm. And what I always point out to people is you don't have to reinvent the wheel you can post three times a week. If you take a picture of yourself at a client's barn working with a horse or you know, a client texts you a review, that can be your social media post. It doesn't have to be crazy complicated graphics that you hire a designer for. Mm -hmm. And things that maybe you would post on your personal story, like trainers taking a video of themselves walking to the ring in the morning to flat or a quick clip of a group lesson, that goes on social media too. It's just about showing the behind the scenes and what it's like to work with you as a business owner and creating an online portfolio more than, you know, we're not talking about corporate world with a huge digital marketing team that's showing up on a multi-channel strategy and has the capacity to run ads. And stuff. we're talking about equestrian business owners. And at the bottom line for me, what I see with equestrian and equine business owners is they need a portfolio. They need somewhere that if people are looking for something like Lesson Barn or Equine Chiropractor, they see who you are, they see who you help, and they understand what it's like to work with you, but they're not going to be looking for this insanely complicated social media strategy. They're just looking to see you as a human showing up. Right, right, right. 
And I think another um, source of confusion for a lot of horse business owners, they are confused about what opportunities social media brings. Um, can you kind of talk to that? Like, like why? Like, why? I mean, you you mentioned some of the um, some of them already, but what kind of opportunities does this presence bring for these business owners? I think it's twofold. Most importantly, and what most business owners in general are going to care about is lead generation, and what that means in very simple terms is new clients being interested in your business. And sure, traditional word of mouth works. People go to a show, they're chatting to their friends, they're wondering who they train with. But people also look up barns on social media. And the thing that a barn or equine business owner really needs to have nowadays is a Facebook page, an Instagram, and a website. No, you don't need a TikTok. No, you don't need a Snapchat for your barn. But people are going to try and find your website. They're going to see if they can find you on Facebook. And if, they're, if they skew younger, if it's you know a teenager or a young adult looking for lessons or you know in their mid-20s, they're probably going to check Instagram. I look at every person I buy a service or product from, I look for their social media pages. And they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be tens of thousands of followers, but I wanna be able to see that you're real before I you know, do any further investigation. I wanna make sure it's legit or you know, there's not a red flag that pops up in the photos, for example. So first of all, it's lead generation and it's proving to potential clients that you're legit, you're, you set yourself up as an authority in the space and you have a digital portfolio of what you offer. And then the second part of the twofold uh, benefit that social media can bring to a business is client retention. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna speak mostly to uh, barns on social media because that's my, that's my experience, but mm -hmm. this applies to vets and chiropractors and masseuses and uh, supplements, suppliers, feed and tax stores, all those sorts of things. If customers see themselves in your page, you know, maybe if you're a show barn, you have, you share client results. If you have a client who had a great transformation with your feed, you, they see themselves on your, on your social media that makes them care about you as a brand. And that's the core of social media marketing. That's so many people forget they're caught up in formulas. They're caught up in trying to follow rules. And at the end of the day, social media, this is going to sound super simple, but so many people miss it. Social media is just about being social. It's about creating a community. It's about connecting with individuals, not treating them like usernames or profiles or numbers on your page. It's connecting with humans and making them feel understood and seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And even with that, you know, you're talking about um, other people wanting to see themselves in your social media and how can you balance that when we talk about things like user-generated content and um, how to, to spend less time trying to develop content, like your, your existence, your life, that is the content, exactly. you know, it's just capturing what's already happening. But if you encourage people to say, Hey, you know, if someone, if your friend came to a lesson, I may not have recorded it, but did your friend record you going over those jumps? Did your friend record your flat lesson? Can you send it to me? Yeah. You know, and, and as long as you have permission to, to use that stuff, people love 
seeing that, you know, people love saying, hey, go to my Barnes page. Look, they posted a video of my class or whatever, or, you know, just community, right? Like if you think about a barn, you know, it's no longer just the place you show up for lessons. It's mm -hmm. a family that supports you. And the best barns I see showing up on social media and really succeeding are the ones who celebrate every milestone, big and small. They're celebrating every member of their barn family. And what people see when they look at that page mm -hmm. is this isn't an exclusive place. This is a place mm -hmm. I could be a part of. This is a place people support each other. Mm -hmm. And that works so much better than any Facebook ad or mm -hmm. any newspaper ad or any multitude of dollars you could throw it at marketing spend. Yeah. Going yeah. Off community. Yeah. And, and you saying that made me think of the, um, some of the conversations right now that are going around on, you know, how to make, how do I make my space more inclusive mm -hmm. or how do I create a culture in my barn, my program that says that people are invited, having that appreciation and, and showing, like you said, those milestones, big and small, you know, someone purchasing their first horse, yeah. you know, getting a new lesson horse or getting a new kid in your program, or um, even if you're doing, you know, just horsemanship lessons for kids who, you know, don't have riding experience, being able to show different levels and, you know, placing value on that on social media, that's just one of those ways. Yeah. And especially in a sport that is so expensive, you know, it's important to make everybody feel included at the level they can participate. And social media is also a place you can show off your values. Mm -hmm. uh, a really popular barn that some of my friends have written up in the past, an equitation barn, North Run, they started, for example, an initiative. Just mm -hmm. via social media, they were connected to a group that I can't recall the name of right now, but they worked together. Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, people who maybe wouldn't have access to horses traditionally get them access to horses and get the benefits of that. And that was an initiative connected through social media. So showing up with your values can really expand your impact, even beyond the traditional equestrian world, which can be quite insular and sadly not as diverse as it should be. Yeah. 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 I, um, I talked to Missy, uh, I think in February of this year, um, I did like a fall in love with your, your horse business kind of IG live series. And she's, she's awesome. She's awesome. And she's had to come across her own reckoning of what is inclusivity and starting the concrete to show jumping with Aaron Brown. That's absolutely, uh, one of the, one of the more, um, visible initiatives that are out there. Definitely. Um, so how has, how have you been able to establish some sort of, I mean, well, I say work life or life work balance, but you're in school also, you know, so writing school and, and entrepreneurship, how have you been able to carve out this sense of balance for yourself? So for me, it, it's a combination of being intuitive and relying on some tools. So first of all, the tools, I use Google Calendar religiously. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, my days are scheduled 
almost to the minute and that's not to create anxiety i schedule in my rest i schedule in the time i'm going to take to eat lunch i schedule in the time i'm going to lie on my bed and stare at the ceiling and do nothing and that keeps me on track because i know i've scheduled in moments where mm -hmm. i have time to slow down and that keeps me on schedule with the times i know i need to work so that is really important to me making to-do lists and sticking to my google calendar now i'm not somebody who writes a google calendar on advance i actually do it the night before because being a writer, being in school and being a business owner, I don't know what's going to come up day to day. I can't be the person who has their entire month planned out mm -hmm. first of the month. I need to do it one or two days in advance so I know what my calendar looks like. But having some form of schedule and blocking out time for rest is really important to me. The other thing I do is that I try to, when I can, multitask. If one task is less of a brain effort, I will try to multitask. I know a lot of productivity experts say not to. However, if I'm walking a horse for 30 minutes, that is the time for me to call somebody and catch up. That is the time for me to answer emails really quickly. And now, of course, safety. Um, I, I When I'm walking, I'm walking on my 16-year-old equitation horse who is <laughs> not to spook. So, you know, I might may, I may not be doing that if I'm working with a young horse. But moments where I can get one task completed and do another one simultaneously without detracting from the first task. Obviously, I'm not cantering around with my phone in my hand. Mm -hmm. uh, I do try to work in moments there because it makes me more efficient in the day. And if I can get some little tasks checked off, like responding to emails, responding to texts, and then leave my sit down desk time for the bigger tasks, that also keeps me more efficient, more productive. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I will say is that at some point you have to accept you're not going to be able to do everything. Mm -hmm. I am in classes, luckily this semester, I am a part-time student because of my last semester, but historically I have been a full-time student with a full course load. I also ride multiple horses and train or show almost every weekend. And I have my business with multiple clients that I'm juggling their needs and also doing my own social media on top of all that. So some things fall to the wayside and it's about realizing, and this is a metaphor a lot of people use in the online space, glass balls versus plastic balls. For example, my client's content and their management and making sure they're taken care of is a glass ball. I'm not mm -hmm. going to drop that. Mm -hmm. My reading for my history class, the last 50 pages of 200 pages my professor assigned, plastic ball. It's getting dropped. Yeah. So thinking about it in that way and forgiving myself for not always being able to check off the 30 items on my to-do list mm -hmm. is a big part of that balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have never heard that metaphor, so I just wrote it down. Um, <laughs> but I absolutely, I love that. A friend introduced it to me and I was like, oh my God, I feel validated. I'm dropping all the plastic balls. <laughs> right, 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 right. And Honestly, you know, I'm one of those people that I really don't think balance exists. I, I feel like it is a, a chase for this kind of perfection that like we know nothing's going to be perfect. Yeah. We can do what we can. You know, we set our different priorities and plan accordingly. Um, but I know that a lot of people feel like that sense of overwhelm and um, just not sure what the next step is supposed to be. So when you if, when you have that, you know, say in your business or when you're managing clients or you, um, you know, get into a season where you're, you know, showing heavily, how do you 
kind of get past that kind of overwhelmed, like kind of frenzy or, um, you know, I'm just not sure what, what next step to take. Well, it's totally valid. And to be completely transparent, there are days I'm in the middle of a two week show and I'm trying to schedule and post client content, do my, film my own reels and create my own content. Oh, and I've got to get to the barn at five 30 and by the way, the classes are delayed. So I'm actually stuck at the show until one day this summer, I was there until 8 PM. Mm-hmm. And when am I meant to have a shower and eat? Cause I was eating like chips out of my bag the entire day. So if you feel overwhelmed, a, you're not alone. It's not a bad feeling. Doesn't make you a bad business owner, but something I like to think about in terms of context is you don't have to achieve a perfect work-life balance every day or every week or every month. It's about listening to where your needs need to, where, where your needs are calling you to be. Mm -hmm. And then over time working on the balance. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I have a busy two week show that I've trained for at home for a month and I'm moving up a level with a horse, or, you know, I, it's a really important show for me because I need to qualify for a final. My energy is going to be directed predominantly at the show that week. I may not have work-life balance. You know, I might be doing a little less of my own social media. I might take a break. I might've made sure all my clients content was pre-scheduled before I left for the show. So it's not focusing on my brain. And that week I'm not balanced that week. I'm 85% of the show, 10% on my business and 5% on school. But then I get home from the show and I'm not showing and, and my horse is resting and he's taking a break. Then I go back to 50% school, 40% my business and 10% horses. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, like you said, we're chasing this ideal of balance that we have to be perfectly 50, 50 life and work. And it always fits like a puzzle and it never changes. And if we're not doing that, we're not succeeding as business owners. I just don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. I think it's about coming to an equilibrium over time. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that for sure. As a professional in the horse industry, we are always looking for ways to improve our craft. As a business owner, it's our goal to build a business that supports our dream lifestyle. That's why I developed the Equipreneur Planner. This planner is a snapshot of your business from your offers to your online marketing. Whether you're looking to stand out in an oversaturated market or you need to audit your current business operations, this planner has the resources to guide you in that process. After spending an entire year developing this signature planning system, I've made it available to equine entrepreneurs just like you. Give yourself permission to change your life. Go to www.blackunicorncreative.com slash planner to sign up for the wait list. Um, my next question is about where to find support when you are feeling like things are at out of alignment, um, you know, what kind of, of either systems or people can you be a little, you know, strategic about putting in place so that you have that support system when you are feeling like things are unaligned? So I think it's important to have support systems that are both tied to your business and not tied to your business. So my first support system is my family and my friends who you know, they're not clients. I don't pay them to be my friends and they're people I can lean on. And while they might not always get the business side of it, they're people I can vent to. They're people I can always text and say, Hey, do you want to get a drink so I can get my mind off, you know, whatever's stressing me out. 
And then within your business, you need systems and a community in place to support you during those times you're feeling like something's out of whack or you're just stressed out. And to me, there's two forms of systems you can have in your business. The first is your network and whether that's other entrepreneurs you've met, for example, through social media, the way you and I met, whether it's through a mastermind or a coaching program or a retreat or a class you took, you know, that's your network of people who get it. They're, they're I'm blanking on the word, fellow, fellow <laughs> entrepreneurs, <laughs> oh, brain blank, fellow entrepreneurs who understand where you're coming from, even if you're not in the same industry. And then the second layer to support within your business is outsourcing. If you're really, really stressed, if you're really unable consistently to do something, and I don't mean, you know, one day the social media post doesn't go up or one day you're late replying to emails. I mean, over months, you literally have not posted a single photo to your feed or, you know, you have a thousand emails sitting in your inbox unopened, then it's time to think about putting in a support structure. And that comes from outsourcing, whether that's a virtual assistant, whether that's a social media manager, whether that's an extra groom, an extra vet tech, depending on your form of business, it could be any type of support, but what, whatever task is not getting done because you are consistently unable to do it physically or mentally. Mm -hmm. you need to have a support system in place to outsource that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I am being on like the, the tech side, I am like all about some automation <laughs> and like, um, I'm not doing set it and forget it. Like if you send me an email about this one thing, you're going to get five email, you know, back and forth. Like I am all about um, using technology to, to help with that. Cause a lot of times it's hard to, um, you know, pinpoint exactly where a person could fit in. So, um, you know, one of the recommendations from, um, Jill on the previous episode was, you know, writing everything down, write out all the things that you have to do and figure out, is this something that I need to do like me, no one else can do it. Just me. Okay. Put those, you know, in one group. And then is this something that I even like doing? I don't like it. Can I get someone else to do it? Can I automate this process? Mm -hmm. Can I, can I outsource, you know, and, or like developing some sort of strategy, like I said, user-generated content, you know, especially in a barn environment, people have their phones out, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to do all of the content creation yourself. <laughs> and how many kids are at shows with their cameras taking exactly. pictures? Exactly. You tell, you ask a kid, Hey, 20, 15, 20 bucks. Do you want to shoot some photos? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So many kids would jump that. And of course, don't break the rules of private photographers. If you're at a show that's strict, but you know, if you're at a local show, like a lot of barns go to, Mm -hmm. get, get a kid who has a camera who likes photography and pay them you know a couple for a couple hours it's gonna be way cheaper than paying a professional photographer and you'll get some content for your feed yeah yeah and something you can spread out yeah yeah that is absolutely right absolutely right well um thank you so much for for offering that insight uh for the the listeners of the digital hoofprint podcast uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can book you, all those kinds of things? 
Sure. So my website is abcsocialmediamanagement.com and all my social media handles for the most part are ABC Social Media Management. You'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok mainly. And I have two services that I offer. I do monthly management starting at $600 a month and then going up based on your needs and how much you're posting, what channels you're using. And I also do Instagram strategy sessions. I do these as a more accessible offering where it's more of a done with you strategy. So you're in control, you're in power to take charge of your Instagram and your social media strategy and show up. And I do that at 150 an hour or 550 for three months of support. And with all those calls comes Slack support and access to resources. Mm -hmm. Basically, I'm your social media strategist on speed dial. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. And to meet another fellow equestrian entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Don't forget, subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review and let us know how this episode has helped you in your horse business. Don't forget to connect with us over on social media, Facebook, or Instagram at Black Unicorn Creative. See you guys on the next episode.